Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Into the final hour of today's episode of the program, number 210. Not too bad. We, during this segment, are continuing our periodic look into the lives of candidates. We call it a day in the life, and it's really an opportunity to peel back the curtain a little bit, uh, set politics aside for just a moment, and see what it is like to be running for office. And the reason for this is because you yourself may be considering a run for office someday. You uh, may be the, the parents, the father, the mother of children who are considering a run for office someday. And it, honestly, I, I've seen behind the curtain a time or two, and it is a challenging feat, regardless, as I said, regardless of politics, uh, to to expose yourself like that, to be out in the open. It's a very vulnerable position. There's much uncertainty. You have to uh, ask for money. That's very difficult. You have to travel a lot. That's very uh, physically and mentally taxing. Your family also has to be on board because uh, you know, all the campaigning means time that you're not at home uh, forming memories with your very own family. And so it's, a, it's quite a feat. And uh, my hat is off to all those uh, who throw their hat in the ring, including uh, this man here, current lieutenant governor of the great state of Utah, candidate for governor himself, Spencer Cox. Sir, how are you? Lee, I'm doing well. It's great to be with you again. Yeah, likewise. And I'm grateful to you uh, for making some time for us. Tell us, uh, what are your days like these days? <laughs> well, every day is an adventure. Um, they're, they're all very unique. Uh, I, obviously, running for office is all of those things that you just described. It's, it's brutal. Uh, I know most people don't want to hear that, but it, it, it certainly is different. I, I knew what I was getting into a, a little bit, having run uh, for statewide office with Governor Herbert back in 2016. Uh, but, but of course, uh, the, the pandemic and everything associated with that have, have made things difficult, both politically, but but also just uh, just in the way we do things uh, on a daily basis. I'm, I'm still living in, in San Pete County, so I still drive a 200 miles round trip up to the Capitol every day and uh, and work there. Um, a lot of, I guess, one of the things that's changed is, of course, we're doing a lot more online. Um, we, we don't, we're not having the big gatherings that we normally would have. In fact, I, I had a couple uh, fundraisers and uh, rallies that were scheduled that we had to really pare back and uh, find different ways to connect with people. And so uh, I guess the good news is I can do some of that from home, uh, but, uh, but, but also it makes it harder because it's the connection that, that I actually enjoy. I, I don't, I don't like politics in the traditional sense and campaigning, certainly, but I like connecting with people, and uh, that's, that's why I do this. And there's, there's less of that happening nowadays and can't wait to get back to, uh, to more normalcy. How's the family doing, the wife and kids? How are they holding up throughout this all? 
You know, they're doing well. It's, it's been a strange time for, for all of us, especially during COVID. I, I will say it was much harder during the primary. Um, of course, we were kind of the focal point of the attacks, and we had some other very qualified candidates. Um, once we made it past the convention, it was kind of three on one. And, uh, and that was tough for, for all the vulnerable reasons that, uh, that you mentioned. It was strange because we have two sons that were out of the house. One was down at SUU and one was on a mission in Tahiti. Um, he ended up back with us for four months. And so we had all four kids under one roof. And uh, now he's on the Navajo reservation. So we went from Bora Bora to, um, <laughs> to Loop, Arizona, which is, which is very different. But so we've had those, those life things don't get put on hold for, for a campaign. And so we've, we've been very jealous of our time together worked really hard. That's why I go home every night. At least I get the, the nights and early mornings together as much as possible. Uh, but they're they're doing really well. Um, they're they're adjusting, and I think once we got past the primary, things got better for them. When you going back to the primaries, and, and I'll ask you this question because you, know, you, you kind of face something different than most of the other candidates in terms of a, a primary battle, one that uh, involved a lot of money, a lot of attacks, and a lot of uh, back and forth for, from some other very powerful candidates and very motivated candidates do you going into that are you able to predict some of the difficulties that the that, that you might face that the family might face and do you, do you sit down and have a conversation with the family and tell them uh, listen we're going to need to we're going to need to uh, have some thick skin here going forward and know that uh, you know what they say about dad uh, is all in the name of politics and please don't you feel badly about it or for me is, is there a conversation like that that takes place yeah, there absolutely is. And of course, it got even more difficult again because of COVID. So that added some unexpected layers to it, uh, the hostility around everything we do, whether you like masks or don't like masks, whatever it is, there's certainly that hostility. But yeah, we've had those conversations. Now, I've been in the public spotlight for a while as lieutenant governor. Uh, we have certain rules in our, our family. We never read the comments on uh, on news websites. Mm-hmm. Um, we stay off social media as much as possible. And, uh, and and all of those things have been very helpful. You know, and, and my wife, one of the reasons we stayed in Fairview was really to keep them insulated from uh, from from much of the, the political rancor that is out there. Um, it, you know, in Fairview, everyone treats us the same. They don't care that I'm the lieutenant governor. Uh, they've got our backs. They take care of us. You know, they watch out for us. We've got a lot of family there. And so we've tried to, you know, and I don't know that there's a right way or a wrong way, but um, we've certainly tried to have our kids live as normal a life as possible under the circumstances. And I have the, uh, an incredible wife, the best person in the world, you know, keeping our kids engaged on the farm, uh, keeping them working, uh, doing farm work, and, and just feeling that, that normalcy has been really important and I think made a difference to them. Well, that's admirable, and it's uh, you know I'm I'm glad for them to have someone uh, able to to recognize that and talk to them about it, prepare them for the realities of the of the life that their dad lives, and uh, in turn the life that they uh, live. Uh, for the last uh, moment or so, we have talked to me about this PSA. You and your Democratic opponent, Chris Peterson, got together, uh, and you say you stay off social media, or you try to, but uh, but this is certainly making the rounds on social media. You're getting praise uh, all over the country. The two of you appearing together, uh, offering a, a message of civility. How'd that come about? Well, I was talking to a friend, and, and uh, she was expressing some concerns about what would happen on November 4th, the day after election, at, at a national level. We've seen already civil unrest this year, rioting. Um, certainly, both sides have, have not been great when it comes to where we are, the political discourse in our country. And uh, and so, um, I, you know, I, I reached out to, to Chris, and we had a conversation and just said, hey, is it crazy if we did something like this? I mean, we disagree on lots of things, very important things. 
things. But the one thing we both agreed on is that we hate what's happening with politics in our country and that Utah has a, has a chance to, uh, to be a good example and to show a, a better way. So we, we put our heads together and came up with a couple ideas and reached out to some people. And we, it happened really quickly. In about 10 days, we, we cut those ads and, and uh, put them out this morning, not knowing how they would be received, if at all. But, but it, it restores my faith in the way that they've been so positively received across the country, everywhere. I mean, like wildfire. And not just the country, but Spain and France and the U.K. and uh, South America. We're getting messages back. Um, people are longing for decency. They, they want they want politicians who can work together even if they disagree and uh and that's the utah way and we're we're just really it's utah's brand it's not us it's it's what utah represents and we're excited about that well spencer cox thank you for your time uh, our time has expired uh but you've got some campaigning to do i'm sure and some work to do as lieutenant governor i'll let you get back to it and thank you again for your time thanks lee all righty. Uh, so that concludes that uh, segment. Uh, we are going to later in the week schedule some time to speak with Chris Peterson uh, running against Spencer Cox, also appeared alongside him in this civility PSA. It's a fascinating thing. You can find it at kslnewsradio.com. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. And when we return, I am very much looking forward to this next conversation. Uh, there is a nurse, a nurse at Timpanogos Regional Hospital, who recently is on the receiving end of an award for the goodness she brings to her job job each day. Uh, Part of that goodness, part of the work she's done over the past number of months, she alone has administered over 20,000 COVID-19 tests. What has she learned along the way? We'll find out next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.